And aloha and welcome back. You're listening to Soul Dancer. And we're going to dive into our final series on office politics. All right, in our last three series, we went step by step on how to first determine whether or not you've got an issue to deal with. That was step number one in show number one. Step number two is we started looking at what's it going to take for you to step up to the plate and be either a leader or part of the leadership to actually dissolve that issue. So on show number two, you can get some pretty good ideas on whether or not you would be a good candidate to step up to the plate and try and be part of the solution to a problem. Our last show, we looked at you being one of the leaders or the leadership to do that. What types of things you need to look at in order for you to be successful in your attempt to go ahead and dissolve those office politics. Now, this show, we're going to look at how you're going to implement everything you've learned in the first three shows. And then we'll look at how to maintain that stride after the fact. So to make this more concrete, we're going to look at a very common office politic issue. And that office politic issue is gossiping. (laughs) More often than not, there's at least one gossip in the office. Whether or not they know they're a gossip might be where you start with that issue. But we're going to pretend that you and your team have come up with a plan to resolve the gossiping issue, especially with this person. So this plan is a three-part plan. The first plan is you and your team have already gotten together and you've decided how you're going to sit down with this person and share with them that there's going to be some different ways of communicating in your office. So your plan is to help this person who is the gossip be part of the resolution of the problem of gossiping. So as you and your leadership team come together, you have to, your leadership team very much think of it along the lines of being good parents. (laughs) Good parents need to be on a united front. If you're, You are the only person leading this effort. That makes it pretty easy. Well, hopefully. I mean, you've built a a collaborative group of consensus, meaning you've gotten other people to agree that you're going to be leading this issue, and you've gotten those people to agree to support you. That's the second part. If they're not willing to support you, then I'd say hold off until you get that support. <laughs> but if you have a team, let's say this is a bigger issue, you have one or two people who are really known for gossiping, and then you have maybe a dozen people who kind of feed off of that gossip, whether they know it or not. So your leadership team, before you even approach the people who are gossiping, you're going to sit down and make sure you really have clearly defined roles. That's your plan. That's part of your plan. You're a unified front. You've all made peace with this issue ahead of time. You've all resolved any issues you have. For example, let's say you do find yourself getting, maybe you do get a little hooked into the gossip over the lunch hour or on break time or whatever. You find yourself kind of supporting this issue of gossip. 
before you even address this issue, you've already cleared it in your own space. That's key. Absolutely key. So, with that in mind, you sit down with these people who are gossiping, or this person who's gossiping, and your best bet is to help them co-create a plan. And you're going to see if they can come up with the same plan that you've come up with. <laughs> Sneaky, I know. But at the same time, you can help steer the discussion a little bit. If you can get that person to co-create a plan with you to begin to stop gossiping, it's going to effectively eradicate gossiping much quicker. But if you sit down with someone who's a gossip and you say, look, stop gossiping, no more gossiping, that's just not going to happen anymore, you might be effective in squishing that gossip bug for mm, a few months, but I guarantee you it's going to come back. Anytime anything is squished, mandated, unless you're willing to terminate that person, it will come back. I've seen it time and time again. Companies, major league, big-time companies who've hired me to do this work, who've wanted me to come in and act like a iron fist to clamp down on something, I've warned them that it may not be effective. Unfortunately, it wasn't. So they went against better judgment. Always building buy-in, always building a sense of ownership on a problem will bring faster, more long-term results. So as your group is sitting down, you're part of the leadership team. You have that unified front. You're at peace with this issue. You know the result that you want. By working with the people to get creative, remember in show number two and three, we talked about the art of being flexible. It is important that you allow this person who is, quote, the problem, to be part of the solution, being flexible with them. So it might mean you stage a slow dissolve. It might be difficult for this person not to gossip because that's who they see they are. They're the, they're the office informant in their mind or they're the, the office telegraph in their mind. You need to redirect that in some form or fashion. As you get a plan with that person, walk through the plan with that person. Ask them when they're willing to start doing a test drive. Invite them to kick it off themselves and start small. More often than not, you may want to start for just a couple of hours on one day and see how it goes. Or maybe the mornings for the first week, just the mornings of the first week, you ask a person to do something different than gossip. If their concern is that what they share with people is stuff that they think people need to hear, then it's time for you to understand how there is a breakdown in communication within your area. This person's actually doing you a favor and letting you know that there might be a breakdown in communication. It may just be that person, and you have a breakdown in communication with that person. By solving that communication issue with that person, you may solve the gossip issue right there. <laughs> So, that first step is being on a unified front with your leadership plan or your leadership team. Then you approach the people who are creating the issue. In this case, we're talking about gossiping. And it would be a good way to sit down and put a wonderful positive spin on things. 
generally speaking, when I have a kickoff meeting for whatever it is that we're working on, it's built up. There's there's like a really, uh, wow, I can't wait to find out what's going on. This is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. Kind of like when you go to the movies and you see the previews and you go, wow, I want to see that movie. You want it to become something intriguing. People love a mystery. People love to be problem solvers, especially men. <laughs> so with that in mind, when you get to step two, you're actually going to kick this program off. Now it's absolutely critical that you stay in a positive mode. If you dive into bickering and arguing and nitpicking and being a control freak, <clears throat> excuse me, this is not going to work. You might as well back up and start over. So as you, as you have your meeting with people, really engage those two skills I've talked about in shows two and three, and that's brainstorming and mind mapping. Brainstorming and mind mapping. You can look it up on Google, brainstorming. There's a good Wikipedia article on both of them. If you just go to Wikipedia and look up brainstorming and mind mapping, excellent, excellent material there. In your kickoff meeting, start doing, once again, some of that brainstorming and mind mapping that you did earlier. See how much of that overlaps. This all helps build buy-in. What you're looking for, the key ingredients is step number two, as everyone is sitting down to talk about this issue is you're looking for the people who are considered the problem makers. You're looking for them to step up and be the problem solvers. They're just as intelligent and creative as you are. Now, you may balk at that statement. However, I have found over the years, the past 25 years, when I treat people with respect, genuine respect, I'm not mocking them, I'm not, uh, you know, being a false kindness to them. But I do treat them with respect. I honestly believe that they have more knowledge about something than I do. It allows them to shine. It allows them to open up and really go to town. Try approaching it that way. It's no different than when you're trying to uh, train a pet that you're the guardian of. When the pet does something you enjoy, you lavish it with praise. And have you noticed how much quickly, how much more quickly they adopt that, whatever it is that you're lavishing your praise on? Humans are not much different. <laughs> so in step two, you're sitting down, you're looking to build ownership around the issue from everyone involved, and you're looking to implement the plan, and you're looking to implement a plan that's bite-sizable. bite sizable, meaning you really, honestly, starting today, you can do it. If there's any part of the plan that's a little aggressive, if there's any part of the plan that's a little grand, a little bit too much too soon, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, 9 out of 10. <laughs> so make it bite-sizable. Think teaspoon, not tablespoon, let alone cup size. <laughs> Think small. Teaspoon. All right. So here you are. You've finished up your meeting. Everybody's excited. Everybody agrees that gossiping really does need to be tampered down. Everybody agrees that there's going to have to be some shifts in things. Part of your plan 
is going to be checking in with people. When do they feel like they're, they, they have to gossip? What triggers it? Much like any addictive behavior. Addictive behaviors have light switches. They get turned on and they get turned off. Addictive behaviors, when they, they, there are things that trigger them, things that promote them getting turned on. For example, speaking from a person who retired 115 pounds, I know what it was like when I got triggered to eat something. Little did I know that I was actually thirsty, not hungry. And as I began to drink just some more purified water every day, I began retiring weight very easily. So I became aware of what triggered me and what maintained me being overweight. Same thing here with gossiping. What triggers the need to gossip? Are people bored? Are people dissatisfied? Are people, uh, do they want more responsibility? What is it that they're looking for that triggers the gossip? And when does it happen? When's the common gossip hour happen? Is it that first 30 minutes in the morning when you're settling in and everybody's getting all ready to go for their beginning of the day and they're having their coffee and they're standing around and they're chit-chatting and catching up? Well, that 30 minutes times five is a few hours every week of unproductive time. That adds up big time, rapidly. Does also gossip happen during lunch where people get all heated and debated and they come back after lunch and now what? <laughs> when does gossip happen? Make sure you're aware of when gossip normally happens and start looking at how today you're going to do something different. How today are you going to do something different? And in fact, write it down. The more whiteboarding you can do, the more uh, flip charting you can do, the more concrete you can make it. Here's a little trick to whiteboarding that I've learned over the years that's really kind of fun. If somebody has a digital camera, take a picture of the whiteboard with that digital camera. And then you can post those images out on some specific place that people can go look at those images. It's one less step of having to write everything down. All right, you can do the same thing with the flip charting, but of course the flip charting you can post around the office. Keep people reminded, which leads us into the third step. Now you've got your plan. Now everybody is really clear, really concrete on not only when things are going to start happening, but who's going to be doing what? And here's the third key ingredient to that beginning part. And that is, how are you going to measure it? What type of feedback mechanism are you going to implement so that you have something to observe? You can look at the results. So in case I lost you here, the very first phase of kicking off your plan to start making changes around in the example that we're using is called Office Politics, Gossip 101. <laughs> the first thing is you need to be on a unified front with your plan, or your leadership needs to be on a unified front with your plan. Step two, you need to then bring everyone to the table that's involved in this issue. When you bring everyone to the table to figure out what you're going to do, then step two, you're going to build a three-part plan. First, you're going to really kind of start at the beginning to help them Build ownership for it. You're going to include them in how to create the resolution to the problem. You're going to then create a way that you look at 
how and when this problem happens. And the third step to step two is you're going to look at what are you going to do to measure the results. And so with all those agreements in place, you now are ready to begin, actually ready to begin to dissolve office politics. And I'm going to encourage you that as we go into this third step, first step was being unified. Second step, get all the parties involved. Third step, actually taking that first step. Make it fun. Part of your plan should be really making it fun. There should be some awards, rewards for making it fun, making it a absolute fun time. Think of like a murder mystery party. You know, everybody gets intrigued with a mystery. Make it fun. Have some daily or weekly celebrations around how you've succeeded in the process. If you're lucky, if you can get superiors to maybe get some really wonderful benefits installed, that would be fantastic. As this is going along, one of the key things that I look at to maintain long-term results regarding dissolving office politics is keeping a, an aware eye on how you might slip back into the old way of doing things. And as we begin to, in the last few minutes of the show, let's take a look at that. We're going to pretend now that you were successful. You resolved the issue of gossiping in your office. Everybody has agreed that gossiping is a tax on their time, tax on their patience, and possibly tax on their health. And they're tired of being taxed to death. And you have actually achieved healthy, solid communication. This is something I also do in my corporate training work. It's just going in and helping people learn and reawaken their skills. You already have these skills. It's just a matter of practicing them. Good, healthy communication skills. With my master's in social work, it's often interesting how social work type uh, skills are so easy to learn and they're sincerely needed in many corporate offices where communication seems to be blocked. So now we're in that you've done it. Congratulations, you resolved an office politic issue. In this case, we looked at resolving office politics around gossiping. So, a few months have gone by, and you've noticed that, wow, nobody's really gossiping anymore. That's really cool. The plan that you put in place worked. That's excellent. Somebody new comes on board, or there's a new leader, or there's a new, there's a new something in the system that wasn't part of the process of dissolving office politics, Gossip 101. And you notice, whoa, especially if it's a person who has some sort of managerial or leadership role, you notice that they like to gossip. Oh, my God, they're doing it. They're starting over again. Ah, they. Oh, now what do you do, especially if this person is in a leadership role? And you happen to notice that when this person revives the gossip bug, the people who used to gossip, they're like, oh, my God. You know, they're, they're scared. They're really scared because they, you might think that the people who are gossip or used to be the gossips, they might worry that their reputation is coming back online as a gossip. Your best bet is the people who were part of the problem. They're not part of the problem anymore. Here's an absolute brilliant trick 
this is worth $10,000 in and of itself. Get your pad and paper out. If after you have ever resolved an issue and the people who were part of the problem were key in helping to resolve that issue and that issue comes up again, ask them, invite them to be the leadership in dissolving it. You don't need to be the leadership. They do. I repeat, one of the best ways to resolve an office politic issue and keep it resolved is to successfully support the person who is creating the problem to help them be the solution. And if the problem ever comes up again, have that person or persons continue to be the solution. Did you catch that? Invite them to continue to be the solution. It empowers them. So in this case, if another person comes into play and they are the office gossiper, the people who used to gossip could very carefully and very kindly approach that person, regardless of whatever level they are. And they could just simply, with an open heart, share their story with this person. Share what they did to create such a healthy environment. Step into the teacher role. The wise person, especially even if they are way up there in the food chain, the wise person will take the hint. If they don't, then it's time for the people who were part of the problem to still be part of that solution and regroup and take a look at it again from a different angle. So with that in mind, whenever you have someone who was once the problem and you can help them evolve into being the solution, let them continue to be that solution if that problem happens again. That's the key. That is the trick to maintaining the wind in the sails over a long-term basis. Now, should that person move on, which, of course, they will at some point. In any office, there's always change. One of the better ways to maintain that wind in that sails on an issue that you've resolved in the past is be sure to keep some types of notes along the way. One of the things that I've had uh, success with is I ask people to kind of keep like a, a little bit of a scrapbook a little, make it cute, make it fun, a little bit of scrapbook. It involves a few notes. It involves maybe some pictures. With the advent of all of this electronic stuff, we can certainly get as creative as we want, but keep it low-tech. Keep it something that you can print off and just keep handy. And invite people to, you know, here's kind of what we've done over the years, kind of that family album series. You, know, you have the old family album of people graduating and getting married and big events and holidays and things like that. You can do somewhat the same thing in the office if you so desire. You can keep some type of historical printed record in a fun way, in a way that shows that you have a collaborative spirit. Not a punishing spirit, but a collaborative experience. So with those thoughts in mind, reviewing the four series, four-part series that's out there, it'll be out on this site for some time to come. If you want to see a sub 
topic, a radio show on office politics and dissolving office politics, leave a comment in the comment box. And we'll put something together so that we can, on a regular basis, I'll be happy, delighted, to spend 30 minutes each week in helping you dissolve office politics at no charge. So with that in mind, this is Soul Dancer, the author of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And you are welcome to go to paymewhatimworth.com. You'll see all sorts of other details. If you would like daily support, absolute daily support in how to grow on many levels, you're also welcome to check out souldancer.org. S-O-U-L dancer.org. Out on souldancer.org, you're going to see daily support. I have a number of series out there that addresses some pretty common stuff. Common stuff like fear of change, how to grow, how to allow yourself to learn and grow with ease and grace. So as we conclude this series, thank you for listening in. Of course, I would love to hear what other types of ways you've been successful in resolving office politics. This four-part series, imagine a snowflake way up in the sky, slowly drifting down to the very tip of an iceberg. This four-part series is that snowflake. We have only begun to minimally address and review and cover some of the key ingredients to dissolving office politics. So by no means would I want you to think that the four-part series that I have out here on Blog Talk Radio is your Bible to resolving office politics in no way, shape, or form. If you need to get in touch with me, you'd like to schedule an interview, you want me to come to your office and start reducing office politics, I'd be delighted. It would be an honor. For in all reality, life is going by so quickly. And if you're working in an office environment where you just honestly feel physically ill because you're dealing with such lethal levels of office politics, it's time to make changes. And I can help you individually make some emotional changes in very short order that can flip around what drains you. It could actually become something that inspires you to learn and grow. Be well. Thank you for listening. Share this series with others. I look forward to being of service. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.